Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Hey, today's show is going to be about happiness. And so the question that I have to start the program off tonight is, have you ever asked yourself, are you really happy? Well, maybe not all of you, but I suspect a large number of you might answer that question, no, I'm not really as happy as I think I could be. Today, we tend to use that word happy so casually um, without really understanding what its meaning is. We're so prone to saying things like, I'm happy because I'm going on vacation, or I'm happy to get a day off of work, or I'm happy I won the lotto, or ice cream. Yeah, I'm even prone to that a few times, but (laughs) that's not the kind of happy that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the rush of endorphins when you experience something special or have a special occasion. I'm talking about happiness with a capital H. It's a profound sense of well-being that is with you all the time, in good and in the bad. So tonight's show is dedicated to happiness and how you can create your own happiness movement. Thank you for tuning in to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. It's a radio show about leadership. Whether you're a first-time manager or a seasoned executive, this show will get you thinking about the essential skills a leader must master. I'm your host, Brenda Baird, and each episode of Being a Leader draws on my 35-plus years of experience in building teams and leading people to get work done. The show is live, and I take callers on the air. So if you would like to ask a question or share a comment, please call 646-716-9397. Press 1 to get in the queue. And if you're not able to actually make a call, you can send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. This show actually offers practical advice, personal coaching, and creative new ways of thinking about some common leadership challenges. So I know what you might be thinking, what does happiness have to do with leadership? Well, as my avid listeners know, I feel we, were, we are often the leaders by default or by example, and we certainly are the leaders of our own life. And that includes being a leader within our own families, our friends, our communities, and even at our work. So if you have a story about happiness that you would like to share with us or a comment about tonight's topic, remember the call-in number is 646-716-9397 and press 1 to get in the queue. Well, I want to welcome back to the show Corey Katuna from Boulder, Colorado, Corey is a a writer, graphic designer, and Corey, we're so excited to have you back on the show again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be back on the show. Yeah, so tonight is sort of a a celebration, so thanks for for joining me uh, on this special show, and I'll share more about that in just a little bit. But listeners, it is really, if you haven't um, listened to the other podcasts with Corey and I, 
from November of 2016. Look at the archives on my website because that was a fantastic show. And we are honored with Corey again tonight. You know, I kind of met Corey randomly. I, I believe, Corey, it was I read some excerpt from one of your blogs, and I was immediately inspired with, with Corey's belief that human suffering is optional and that she's committed to finding more and more ways to make this message accessible and use, useful for the mainstream. And she actually does that through her writing, which is really great. Corey has this unrelenting fascination with self-mastery and the mechanics of life. And in her writing, you can actually see the perpetual priority to discover and access the best case scenario. And that your goal, Corey, is really to positively impact the most amount of, most amount of people in the shortest amount of time. Corey graduated from the University of Colorado at Boulder and has a degree in international business and Spanish with a minor in technical arts and media. And she did her thesis project on intrinsic uh, motivation. So, Corey, again, we just are so delighted that you're here um, celebrating with me tonight. And uh, we're going to talk more about uh, Get Out of Your Own Way, which is a book that you recently wrote. So it's true for me to say that um, you use your writing as a, sort of the medium for being able to express your beliefs about um, human suffering is optional. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's dead on. Yeah, fantastic. Well, tonight, uh, Corey and everybody, I'm actually uh, celebrating. I actually have in front of me. Some beautiful flowers that I received for Valentine's Day, but there's also a balloon here that I just bought for myself uh, because I am actually in celebration mode. Um, I have been selected to join the IPEC group as one of 50 coaches who will be what they call tribe facilitators at the upcoming Miami World Happiness Summit in March. The World Happiness Summit is a movement dedicated to increasing awareness on happiness as a life choice and as a human right and as an enabler of human development and social innovation. So I'm absolutely honored to be a part of this incredible event and to represent IPEC as a coach and a tribe facilitator. So that is why tonight I have dedicated the show to happiness and it seems fitting on this day dedicated to love. So happy Valentine's Day everyone. I tell you, when IPIC called me, uh, Corey, I couldn't help but think of you and that you had recently had an experience and opportunity to work with IPEC. Um, and for those of you listening who don't know, IPEC stands for the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. It is the training institute where I uh, received my certification to be a coach. And Corey is set to uh, kick off her training uh, to experience the IPEC coaching um, experience. But you had an opportunity to work with IPEC and its founder, um, Bruce Snyder. I understand the team at IPEC also read an article from your blog and they reached out to you and asked you to partner with them in writing the book titled Get Out of Your Own Way. So tell us more about how this got started and and what the book is actually about. Awesome. Yeah, and first off, 
Brenda, just a huge congrats on being selected for the World Happiness Summit. I think that's well-deserved. Oh, thank you, Corey. I'm just, yeah, I'm beaming. <laughs> Good for you. I'm, I think it's, it's perfect. I'd want you to be my tribe facilitator. <laughs> um, we'll come to Miami then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, so yeah, it was the same deal um, that it was with you apparently. So they read my article called why I feel good about the election, um, which was right after the election. And it was a message that a lot of people I think were kind of looking for. Um, it's not about any, um, you know, pros and cons or political anything. It's about, um, I, you know, I feel good about the election because I know better than to feel bad about the election. And in it, I quoted the, I quoted energy leadership by Bruce Schneider. And at that point I didn't, I wasn't even aware that uh, he was connected to IPEC, much less the founder. And so I quoted this book and um, really based the article on the seven levels of energy model. And Mm. when the folks at IPEC read it, they, yeah, they reached out to me and apparently it was, it lined up perfectly with the project they were hoping to do which was to um, sponsor or partner with someone who really was able to bring the um, theory, the philosophy behind IPEC down to earth in mm. the form of some sort of online publication. So, so the deal was um, I would write this ebook in my voice exactly the way I wanted to write it, the way I would have written it if it were just my own, you know, so just, as me, um, mm-hmm. because I'm already using IPEX model, so I'm already I'm already sort of operating like that, and and so folks would, in order to get the ebook, they would sign up for IPEX newsletter and be able to follow along as I go through. So I'll be writing now for IPEX as I go through the the training program starting in March for the rest of the year. So I'll be writing and and um, it's going to be between 10 and 20 articles on my experience going through it. Um, and so, yeah, it all launched with the ebook and folks signed up for that are going to be getting these updates on my experience as I go through it. So it's, it's super exciting for me. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a phenomenal experience. Um, going to the, what I call the residential mods where everyone comes together uh, I'm assuming in your case, it'll be somewhere in Colorado um, that you'll take your training, but the people that you meet, the uh, relationships that you build in the training last forever. I, I, the people that I connected with there, I feel like I have known them all my life and we're still connected to this day um, and talk on a regular basis. And um, I just feel like if I ever had a challenge, I could reach out to them and they would respond back with so much love and support and help me get through. So I'm, I'm happy for you and excited for you to think that you're going to use this talent you have to write and document that experience will be an absolute invaluable resource for IPEC. Um, it's, it's, well, I, I, as I told you before, my experience with IPEC actually changed my life. Um, at, wow. you know, 50 some years old, 
um, I had been through multiple times where I had, you know, gone through these periods of self-reflection and I knew something just wasn't quite aligned and it caused me a great deal of stress and it wasn't therapy. I went to therapy hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on therapy. And then it wasn't until um, my mod one with IPEC, the first module that finally it clicked how to make the shift. And that made all the difference in the world in terms of my energetic perception and profile and how I want to show up in the world. And it just, it propelled me into this life that I live now that is not free from trouble or free from anxiety or stress, but it provided me with this shift of perspective um, in how to handle, how to handle those things. So I'm excited for you to go through that. And I'm very excited to, to read as you, as you travel along. So tell me again now how I and the nurse can uh, get a copy of, the book and um, follow you along through your journey. How would we be able to do that? Yeah, super easy. Just ipetcoaching.com slash 2017. And that page is all about the ebook. It has the link right at the top. Um, and all you have to do is type in your email address and it'll email you the link and it automatically signs you up to get the updates for the rest of the year as I go through the program. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, I'll be signing up. As we get off the air, <laughs> that is <laughs> that is great news, and I enjoy reading, uh, you know, reading the, your book. I thought that it was um, it was really captivating, even though you know the parts about energy and leadership were things I was very familiar with. You just have a very um, unique way of writing that does seem like um, you're talking directly to us. So, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about happiness, if you don't mind. And then, um, and hopefully we'll inspire someone to actually start their own uh, happiness movement. (laughs) So to prepare for the World Happiness Summit, um, I've had to do a bit of research about positive psychology and just the science of happiness um, to be fully prepared for um, my tribe work. And I found some interesting facts as I was doing that research. Um, According to Mark K. um, Seton, he's the CEO and founder of the Pursuit of Happiness organization. He says that about half of happiness is genetically determined. And that another 40% of our happiness actually comes from the happenings that occur in our past, our most recent past. However, the events of our most recent past really don't have a very long-lasting effect on our overall happiness. So you can only imagine then that you just have to keep experiencing things over and over again in order to try to keep that fulfillment of happiness up. But what that actually leaves us with after you consider genetics and events is about 12%. And that doesn't sound like a lot, 12%, but the good news is that we get to bring that 12% completely under our control. And it turns out that by choosing to pursue our higher energy beliefs around our spiritual practice, family, community, and work, 
It is the surest path to happiness. Even given that there's such a large percentage that is genetic and not under our control in any way. And I found that to be just fascinating um, statistics um, and how focusing on 12%, you know, really can make a difference in one's life, uh, even if there is a predisposition to um, unhappiness. So I think it's, it's pretty clear the first three beliefs are fairly undisputable. There's all kinds of evidence to support that strong relationships with family and friends and a good spiritual practice increases happiness and meaning in our lives. And very few dying people actually regret over-investing in, in rich family and community ties and our spiritual uh, journey. Um, but when I was doing that, I was thinking a bit about the book, Get Out of Your Way. And you actually referenced this uh, idea, Corey, that um, living a life that has you on your deathbed grinning, <laughs> which Again, your style of writing is just, it's so intriguing. So tell us a little bit about that message, what, what you're trying to convey with us as you describe it in that way. Oh, cool. Um, well, so when I think about happiness, um, it's not – the way the way I experience it is is it's like alignment with my true self. It's not like you were saying in the beginning of the show. It's not like these, you know, fleeting excitements. It's like alignment. It's this sort of raw, open authenticity where your true self, your true essence, is able to, you know, flow through your being, and you're able to express in the world as authentically as as possible. And that, um, that I think is something, I mean, just even with the book, it's called Get Out of Your Way. It's really not about getting happy. It's about removing whatever debris we've collected that's mm. distracting us from our natural state of happiness. So this, it's interesting, you talking about the, uh, the sort of like the 40% of happiness mm -hmm. is genetic it I mean I I want to it's like I want to dig into that and understand that I'm sure mm -hmm. in the in the past historically that's we're able to prove that but I would wonder if mm -hmm. if folks started focusing on alignment instead of happiness and noticing happiness is a natural byproduct of yeah. alignment if the genetic if the genetic sort of constant wouldn't become a little yeah. more flexible yeah one would only hope so. I mean, I mean, right? I think yeah. there's probably this, you know, there are genetic, uh, you know, ways in which people are prone to be depressed, and some of that is chemical imbalance. And um, but there are ways to overcome that. So I think as this whole um, this whole new learning around positive psychology, it really is a fairly new discipline. Um, coming out of Harvard, I think there'll be more and more research around this thought of mindful alignment and how that actually does create happiness. So um, it's an exciting time to be a coach and um, <laughs> it help people to discover that, you know, it's, uh, it's really great. Um, 
So listeners, remember, if you have a story that you'd like to share with us tonight about happiness or story of happiness uh, or some comment around this topic, please just give us a call here at 646-716-9397 and press 1 to get in the queue and I'll get to your call in the order in which they come in. So I was talking a little bit, Corey, too, about how there's these, um, you know, family and community and our spiritual practice are easy to uh, find evidence that having a strong practice in those areas can really lead to finding your happiness. But I think oftentimes that last one around work um, and happiness Hmm. is is less intuitive for people. Um, I don't know what your thoughts about it, but sometimes it seems to me almost like societal culture almost insists that our jobs be a grind, you know, <laughs> like going to work totally. is, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a bad deal. So, um, I also read there too, that when there was a survey that was conducted by, um, a company called General social survey company and they asked people um, to all things considered the genetic part and all of that they said all things considered how satisfied are you with your job and I think we often connect job satisfaction with with happiness and uh, the result of that question is that about 50% of Americans said that they were completely satisfied or very satisfied with their work so I know as you were thinking about the details of writing, um, get out of your own way, and then your own personal experiences, um, how do you see work and happiness being connected? Oh, my goodness. That is such a <laughs> such a close correlation for me. Um, yeah, that was like my my first job out of college. I was at a kind of a – an older startup, so kind of more corporate startup. I was doing graphic design, and it was really cool. It was, I, you know, all things considered, I I really should have just loved it. I started this thing called the Culture Squad. We did all these cool things, yeah. and um, I was doing graphic design, and um, and still, despite it being like perfect on paper, I was burning out. I could feel myself burning out. It was the weirdest thing. It was inexplicable. Like how, how is this possible that all the, all the boxes are checked and I'm not happy here. And for me, this has always been something that I I used to think of it as a disadvantage, but now I think of it as an advantage. Um, I'm, literally incapable of doing stuff that doesn't resonate with me that doesn't that doesn't feel aligned with what really matters to me um so as I started to notice this about about my uh experience at work it was like oh no I'm gonna I'm gonna have to quit nobody's gonna understand it's not I'm really gonna have no legitimate reason why but I'm not going to be able to continue to work here and provide value and feel sustained. I can feel the burnout coming. So Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, and work is just such an obvious 
um, time commitment, what, like eight hours a day minimum for most folks. So if it isn't something that's, that's propelling you forward and, and um, at the very least maintaining, keeping you at neutral at the very Mm -hmm. least, if it's doing anything except keeping you neutral, it's it's too much of a liability. We can't afford that. You know, we've right. got we've got forward to go. So yeah. we can't dedicate a third of our days to to something that that backtracks us. That's right. Yeah. I too am a um living example of how happiness and your vocation are just inexplicably connected. Um, mm. my career started a long time before, <laughs> before yours, but, um, my early days in my career, I was a small business owner for about 20 years and same thing happened to me then. Um, the business was at an all time high. It was very profitable. It was a business that I probably could have handed down as a legacy operation to my family, but I'll tell you, it just, began to wear on me so hard and the stress and the burnout were just really bad that we sold the business and I set out to reinvent my career and I took a role with a global pharmaceutical company uh, and I worked there for about eight or nine years and I look back on it fondly now and I think that I was probably somewhat satisfied with my work but the last Five years that a whole novelty uh, just wore off and out of necessity like you I burn out uh, I had to begin plotting a, a different future and that's actually when I signed up for IPEC uh, I quit my corporate job and I took some time off to reflect on what was truly truly important to me and I think along the way I learned one thing that I learned about work is that Uh, rewarding work was unbelievably important to me and Mm. that this belief categorically had nothing to do with money. Um, You know, I think so many people, when they think about their careers, they think that you're in a spot where you have a job and you're making a lot of money. How could you not, not be happy? Uh, But it truly for me has nothing to do with the money. Um, and it really, I have to say, truly for me, it was really about um, making a, a, a true paradigm shift. Like I was talking about earlier that occurred to me during my IPEC training, I really had to do some deep discovery uh, about my beliefs. And I was holding on to and some pretty strong beliefs that really created my stories around victimhood and um, I had to hire a coach and she helped walk me. She was an IPEC coach and she was wonderful. And she walked me through this discovery about myself. And the, the, these long held beliefs actually drove my thoughts and feelings and they actually got in the way of me being happy. And it took me uh, 50 plus years to come to that realization. So I'm so happy that at such a young age, Corey, that you're able to um, to actually have all of this insight because it does make life a lot easier when you realize that your alignment is what makes you happy. Um, 
I think it's amazing what you've done though. I mean, that's in some way it's actually more impressive what you did because you completely counteracted some 50 years of momentum in one direction. I mean, I didn't do that, you know, that's really, that takes a lot of self-awareness and, and conviction and, you know, that's badass. Yeah. Well, I have gray hair today because of it, so I can attribute it. <laughs> when people talk about my hair, I tell them I earned every one of those. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, also in your book, um, we probably aren't going to be able to get to every part of the book, so I really encourage the listeners to log on to um, that IPEC site, and I'll give you that email address or that website address again later. In the book, you write about 2017 being the year of blame, and that was the a year very blame dies. Yes, the year of blame dies. So tell us more about what that means and how our listeners can actually use that as a foundation, uh, really, to start building their own personal happiness movement. Totally. Yeah, this is like, man, after... I don't know. I don't know if it's hundreds, but it feels like it's been hundreds of conversations with people, friends, and um, just anyone who's who. Where the the theme or the common denominator is that X is wrong in their life, mm-hmm. and it's someone else's fault, or their company's fault, or the the fault of the way they were raised, or. Um, the fault of the way the system is set up. And as a result, they're not, they're not even considering uh, options for, for transcending it or, or for learning from it or finding the opportunity or growing for it or, or even better using it to their advantage and, and finding momentum within it. So it was this, it was this like excruciatingly circular, circular, circular conversation Mm -hmm. where, It's like, okay, so now what? And it's like, well, I'm screwed. Well, yeah. I mean, do you, what matters more to you? And this is what the, the, the chapter in the book called 2017, The Year of Blame Dies. The, the point comes down to what matters more, being right or moving forward? Just, mm-hmm. get, just get, come down to that question. Just get really honest. What do you actually prefer? being right do you want to do you want to be able to know that the other person was wrong and they blew it and as a result you're you're screwed or moving forward in which case there's a whole world of options it's just vast it's like an overwhelming flood of options but it just takes that decision so really it's not a it's not that there's anything you know I'm not there's no little specific advice in here like you know, stop blaming your mom, and instead, it's it's more like shift into the perspective of it is inher- It must be something for me to learn from. There must be some growth in here for me. This is this is. I have one friend who says there's like something catastrophic that happens, and he'll be like, "Okay, this is good. Now, how is this good?" And that just left such an impression on me. It's like it must be something to work with. Otherwise, what? I mean, no red light 
is just a dead end. It's always just a green light to the left or the right, and then That's a right. detour, and you're still going in the same direction. Yeah. I, the chapter in the book, you give some really, um, I think, relevant um, examples of the things that sometimes the, the excuses, we'll call them excuses, I guess. Like um, one, of the, one of them you said was um, you drank too much last night, but your friends were pressuring you. So you say 60% of it might be your responsibility but 40% of it is their responsibility. And I like how you sort of broke that up a little bit. It's, it's like we sometimes take responsibility, but there's always this change over here that really is, you know, um, right. not in my control. It was because of this or because of my friends that I drank too much. Um, and, you, right. and you really go yes. on to talk about that a little bit further about responsibility, you know, um, how to yeah. become your best. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's always um, it's always just that shift in it's that decision. It's like even even in this even in the examples where it's definitely guaranteed not your fault, just definitely not your fault. You, you know, yeah. you like you walk by and there's a homeless person, and it's like definitely not your fault. Uh-huh. Either it can be not my responsibility, and you know there and just the world is is crumbling and things are going or there's a way to take there's just the shift in decision to say okay I am 100% responsible for what I experience and yeah and not to make any not to make any leaps about um okay well now that means I have to blank but just coming from the perspective the worldview the paradigm that I created all of this. This is all my responsibility. This is all um, opportunity. None of this is something that I can't deal with. None of this is something that is happening to me. I'm, I'm, I'm the victim of nothing. Yeah. I'm going to read a section here that I think might resonate with the listener when you're talking about fault and responsibility. Um, this particular nice. section says, it's not your fault that you have anxiety as a result of verbal abuse growing up, but it is absolutely your responsibility starting right now to create the future you want. And blaming on anyone, including yourself, goes in the exact opposite direction of that future. That's beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, using that foundational principle, um, you haven't gone through the IPEC training, but inherently you you have an understanding of the of how energy works. And bless you for that. To have that, um, I find it to be incredibly empowering. And I can remember the date. It was September twenty fifth, two thousand and fourteen, when. The IPEC trainer said that I get to choose my emotional state and that I have been Hmm. choosing it all of my life. It's that decision point that you're talking about. And that if you have been unhappy, it's because you created it, right? Um, Yeah, so cool. It is. It's just absolutely. You're making me excited for the training. Oh, Oh my gosh. You're going to be so (laughs) pumped. You have to call. Um, And since making this shift in my life, 
whenever something does happen that causes me to react in anger or maybe disgust, it has given me the space between experiencing something and the reaction. There's like this little space right there where I can then take a deep breath and pause myself, you know, is there another possibility that what set me off is actually a well-meaning act or it's an honest mistake? And just utilizing that little space and time to ask myself those questions, it comes in just a nanosecond, um, allows me to actually show up the way that I want to show up. And one of the things that um, Bruce D. Snyder always emphasizes is um, it's how are you being? And he has a wonderful program called the law of being, and it teaches us about how do we want to be in the world? Not what do you want to do, but how do you want to be in the world? And um, I'm far from finished with my journey. (laughs) There are times that I, I digress, you know, and that little space is probably too short of a time for me to process. And, and sometimes I slip, but what is different for me today is I can recognize it and then choose differently and not get so far down the rabbit hole like I used to do. So, um, nice. also find it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just, you kind of reminded me of this, there's a little, um, like, I don't know if I'd call it a technique, but just a little thing that's been so useful for me with like little moments where I feel reactive or where, I can kind of feel my energy dropping and it's, it's been to just, it's like to intellectually remember that the worse I feel, the, the less useful it is. Like the less I have to believe it, the less attention I have to pay to it, the less weight I can give to it. It's just like, Oh heavens. Okay. Well, here this is, I'll endure this for a while it lasts instead of trying to like automatically be like, okay, what's the better interpretation, which a lot of the time I don't have access to that. It's like, yeah. no, I'm reactive. Something, something's up. And so instead of trying to like automatically try to find the possibility or the positive, it's like, I don't know, well, look at this. Here this is. This is interesting. And just to not give it any weight, like mm-hmm. just to put it in its own little category and kind of, it doesn't feel like waiting it out necessarily, but it's kind of like just looking at it and, and mm-hmm. noticing it and, and not not taking it personally or certainly not investing in it and trying to resist it or trying to justify it, but just kind of holding space. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny as you were talking about that and the, and the tool you use when I was, I was in the training, um, you just take notes, you know, the entire time because there's just, it's so rich with information. And there was this, um, this thing I drew um, that I think also represents uh, what you were just saying. And the first one is a circle, which I represented as a situation, the problem, the event or whatever. And the arrow was like pointing in. And I had this sense that I was in it, in the problem. And I was somehow Ooh. connected to it internally, right? And the, the other, um, the movement where I was trying to go to was a circle and the arrows were pointing out. And it was as if I was then outside of the problem, just observing it. If that right. makes sense. That's and it sounds very much like what you were talking about. So when you find yourself like it, and it feels 
so overwhelming to just step outside of it for a minute and just look at it. Uh, it doesn't change anything, right? <laughs> um, right. Well, it's kind of, it doesn't, doesn't even matter like, if your instincts are accurate, you know, that right. what it is is bad or good or indifferent, right? It's just that mere act of um, considering that there's a more compassionate explanation for what's happening to us, or, or not to right. us, but what has happened in front of us, let's say, um, that your, your, your emotions actually dissipate, that pent-up, you know, frustration or whatever actually dissipates, and it just allows you to um, show up the way that you want to be and keep yourself in alignment with the values. Yes, nailed it. Yeah. So another fascinating part of of uh, get out of your own way was the section where um, you talked about an exercise that you do that you did when you were 15 years old, and this is <laughs> yeah. in the the chapter around alignment. So this again is where you have just uh, wowed me with. First of all, how in the world did you become so aware at the age of 15? Huh. Well, that was, that was the most philosophical period of my life, or maybe, well, maybe not to now, but it was, the, it was where it started. I was mm. in this um, private Catholic boarding school in Spain, and I didn't speak Spanish very well, and I wasn't Catholic, and... Uh, nobody spoke English. It was like in this weird, it was a super um, rural school. So even the English teacher uh, didn't speak English. Um, and I just was super isolated. I felt, I mean, I spent my entire time just like between me and myself in, in my mind. So just the most journaling I ever did, the most kind of trying to solve um, interpersonal problems. It was, it was super rich as from a philosophical standpoint in my life. And otherwise it was, it was pretty hard, but wow. you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that period. Yeah. So once again, you turn your writing as a way of expression and, and you get that out. That's awesome. Nice. Wow. What a cool connection you just made. I didn't even think of that till now. <laughs> so could you share with the listeners that exercise and and if you're listening i think it's it's worthy of grabbing a pen and a paper and jotting down a few <laughs> notes around this because i found this to be a really really powerful exercise probably going to stand from you <laughs> and use it in a workshop someday but explain um the exercise that you used in that um alignment chapter and explain how that helps you to find your true self Cool. Yeah. So it was, a, I made this chart. So um, along the top, it, so it's, you know, like a normal, there's like a top axis and an axis on the left. And along the top, I, I briefly described a few situations that I thought I handled poorly, that I felt out of alignment. It, I mean, I had, and there were, there had been a buildup of like a few situations where afterward I was like, what the hell? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? <laughs> yeah. oh, you know? Man, so I, I, I wrote those, <laughs> I wrote those <laughs> along the top. There's six or seven of those. 
And then along the left axis, the vertical axis, I uh, wrote the names of people who I just generally admired how they handled things. Um, like Albus Dumbledore is my favorite, my favorite one. He, I like, he was my main, he was my go-to after this exercise. I still think of him. I still think, what would Albus Dumbledore do? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's what we'll call the name of this exercise. What would Albus Dumbledore do? <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. So in each of the intersecting boxes, I wrote um, how I think that person would have handled that situation if they'd been in my shoes. And so, I, you know, I had to kind of quiet my mind and, and really feel into that character. And it just, it gave me so much insight. It was like, oh, God, I could have just done that. Like, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I do that? So, but yeah. I, I highlighted the, the square, the box that um that resonated the most with me. And then, you know, as a result, it was like, okay, that nice. This is how I'm going to handle situations like that in the future. But what it taught me and I only realized this in retrospect, was not about, like, how to be more like Albus Dumbledore, although in some Mm -hmm. way, you know, that's kind of of true, too. But more, who are these people I admire? It's not, I remember I I heard this concept that whenever you feel awestruck or inspired, whatever you just saw is a really clear reflection of yourself. That's what we feel when we see ourselves. So with these people that that inspired me or who impressed me, really what I was tuning into was the best version of myself, the most aligned version of myself. And I was I was imagining or tuning into how my best self would have handled those situations. You know, Albus mm-hmm. Dumbledore never actually handled that situation. That that didn't come from him. That came from me. That came from me tuning into something that resonated. So yeah. what I learned was how to tune into myself how to align myself. That is so beautiful. <laughs> I just have to take that for a minute. Um, again, it is very much in line with the philosophies that Bruce D. Schneider pulls in energy leadership. And as a coach, what you'll learn is that everyone has these answers within themselves. As a coach, oh, are cool. Oh, my God, cool. Yeah of the coach isn't to give you the answers. The privilege of the coach, the empowering questions that provide that shift within yourself for you to uncover the best version of yourself. And then you are that way. Then you can make all the right decisions to be happy. Right? Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I love it that. is. Oh, and I love this. So I hope everyone was taking notes um, I think I might actually uh, put together some of a little uh, one major kind of thing, and um, with your permission, I'll have you look it over, and I oh might post God, it please. on my website because this is just a really cool activity for getting clear about how you want to show up. Sometimes I think it's un- it's unclear for us uh, how we want to show up, and it's a great great activity. So thank you yes, for that. By all means, it's yours. Yeah. Yes, thanks. So, wow, after all of this work and uh, your journey so far and the journeys you're getting ready to uh, leap into, how then would you actually define happiness now, Corey? 
I pro- there's probably a better answer, a more articulate answer than this, but all I can think of is alignment. It's And not alignment with, um, you know, it's easy to be like, okay, well, right now I'm aligned with this corporate job because I'm working here and I'm so I'm, – what I'm talking about is aligned with your true self, with with your most authentic, empowered – clear, confident self, you know, it's, it's being in alignment with source. It's being, it's being this channel for life to flow through you. So for me, that is, that's the root of it. And then the, the thing that sprouts out of that is happiness among other things. But, but for me, when I think about happiness, it's like, I literally sit up straighter it's like this alignment feels visceral. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How would you align it? Yeah. I think very much the way that you, you know, the words that you just spoke, it is, it's being aligned with what I call your values. And that's easy to do um, when you tell someone, if you just would align with your values, then you'll be happy, right? But the work nice. that it takes to understand what your true values are, I think is the work that you're talking about and the alignment work that has to happen is you have to know for sure that the value you hold on to is actually your value and not someone else's value. Mm, yes, uh, For example, exactly. for me, my my value used to be around work hard. Um, and it really wasn't my value. It was my mom and dad's value. And they used to preach that to me that, you know, you've got to work hard and you've got to put in the time and, you know, and all these just, oh, pressure things. And that's how I spent the first 50 years of my life, just work as hard as you can, almost to the point of exhaustion. And that really wasn't my value value and once I recognized that I could honor it because having had that um, belief system really did have a benefit to me and this is where you take full responsibility for how you how you respond in life and I look at it now and say thank you for giving me my work ethic giving me my ambition giving me my desire to, you know, strive to do the best I could do. Um, and then also thank myself for getting in line with that value. Uh, and my value being that there has to be a better balance so that you are available for the relationships in your life. And you can't do that when you're burned out. So that's what that Mm-mm. stress was for me, was this constant just banging up against this value of, you must work hard um, to prove your worth. And it's just not, it wasn't my value. So um, mm, nice. when, when you can do that, uh, when you do that work and get really, really clear, that's when I think you can find true alignment. And then I think happiness just flows out. It's um, just how it works. So. I agree. All right. So we have an email here. It's from uh, someone named Micah in Oakland, California. And the question is, 
and bad things happen to me throughout my day, how am I to find happiness in that? Hmm. Big question. So first of all, um, Micah, thank you for writing, writing to us with this question because I bet there are actually a lot of people listening who are asking that very same thing. If it's so much on genetics, how then when bad things happen to me, can I have happiness, right? And so the first thing that I hear, Michael, when you say that, the, the thing that I focused on was these words, bad things happen to me. And it's common, uh, it's a very common thing for most of us that we make these sort of instantaneous judgments about everything and, and we stick a label on it, so to speak, because sometimes we say good things happen, sometimes we say bad things happen to us. Um, and we think that using these words really don't have an effect on us, but it actually really does. Um, Micah, every time we use the word bad things, it adds just a bit of stress to our day and to our life. And over time, it can have a huge impact on our happiness. So my thought is maybe just observe how many times you actually use labels like that. You jot them down in a journal or, you know, just uh, make a mental note of it. Words like that, labels, um, to describe what, your day is like. And then the first part of your question refers to our genetics. And it is really true. We cannot control our genetics, but we can control our thoughts and feelings. And I think Corey and I have really tapped into that um, pretty well tonight that you can really control what you think and feel about things. And as Corey so eloquently said, you know, um, if it's anything more than neutral, um, Probably it's something that you need to take a deeper look at. So uh, focusing on the beliefs behind the thoughts um, can really help you to, to choose a different way to go forward um, so that you can respond in a, in a way that's more in line with your true self. So I don't know, Corey, would you have anything else to Micah's question about how am I supposed to have a, a good day and be happy when bad things are happening to me? Yeah, actually, two things. One, just to supplement what you were saying right there, Brenda, which I think was right on point, um, is what, what's useful for me is to consider that everything that happens, every event, is inherently neutral and meaningless. There's nothing in that. You know, it can be raining, and the rain doesn't feel gloomy. You you interpret it and make it gloomy. You know what I mean? I am the thing that's so everything that happens out there is inherently, including somebody slapping someone else, every event, every uh, passing experience is inherently neutral. So it's useful to just remember if, you know, if this resonates that, um, yeah, in order to sort of choose a, choose a more useful interpretation or change bad things to uh, good things. You've got to go through this first phase of neutrality. It's like, well, I saw this funny meme online and it's like when you're trying not to have a bad day, but your stuff is going wrong and you're just sitting there like, well, today was a day. Like, nice. <laughs> just get to that point. Get to get to baseline so then at least you're not suffering. At least you're not spiraling downward. Um, yeah. and the other, the other thing is, and I, I don't mean to hijack 
the the conversation in the direction of alignment. But but happiness can actually be a little bit of a distracting concept for me because to me it feels like a result. It feels like an after, like what happens as a byproduct of alignment. Um, mm. So yeah. So and what as far as I know, alignment is content neutral. It doesn't require any type of situation. I mean, I've had a friend who was grieving. Her grandmother had just died and she was in alignment and I could tell and she could tell and she felt, I remember being like, I hope that when I grieve, that's how I grieve. It's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's powerful and it's real and it's, it's in alignment. And I think um, experiencing your life in alignment is not, has nothing to do with what happens. You know, you know, we see um, examples like Nelson Mandela and Victor E. Frankel who are, um, imprisoned and tortured and finding their alignment and then therefore known for being these people who were happy in the in the most in the worst circumstances ever yeah so I think those those two points are might be useful for you yeah absolutely this is really a fantastic question Micah so thanks again so much and if you should need more support on this topic or um, just want to talk about it a little further, just shoot me an email at Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. I also had one last thought about my question. It's such a good one is that sometimes when we're on this journey of self-discovery and we're, we're working towards getting into alignment, that sometimes the habits of the past can slip up on us and we might find ourselves falling into bad habits of the past. And I just feel that it's important to say out loud that um, to remember that we all all are human beings and this really is a a journey. And if for some reason you do slip up, there's no reason for anguish or to beat ourselves up. We just have to keep moving forward and uh, keep on learning. So stay with it, Micah, and thanks again for for sending in that question. So, Corey, do you have any final thoughts for us about um, the folks listening and how they might begin to create their own happiest movement? Um, weird that you that I you said that, and as you were talking, I didn't have anything, and then right as you finished, this thought came up. Um, yeah, stillness, actually, like this, um, I've been getting more interested in stoicism, the philosophy, Mm. um, as a baseline. So as, as our sort of, um, this muscle to strengthen in terms of being, um, present and resilient at the same time, being Mm. present with what's going on and not interpreting it anyway. And I think stillness is a really useful uh, kind of frequency, if you will, to yes. experience this, like a, a useful state of mind to experience this. Just like slow your breath, like slow everything down. Try to hear your heartbeat. This to me mm-hmm. has been invaluable, like surprisingly, surprisingly useful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that might be a step one. Step one, stillness. And then uh, some deep uh, discovery for um, figuring out what your values are 
and then finding ways to get yourself aligned um, is a real good framework for, um, for creating your own movement. So, Corey, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for celebrating this show with me. I, I couldn't think of anyone better to, to talk with tonight and talk about this concept of energy and happiness and alignment. I um, hope you'll come back again soon. Yeah, I love it. I I just I just enjoy this so much, Brenda. You're like the the funnest uh, radio show host ever. I love it. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank Maybe you. Yeah, thanks so much. Little... And congrats. Oh, thank you. Maybe we can have you on, and you can share with the audience a little bit about your IPEC adventure. We would all look forward to hearing hearing about that. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have one final thought tonight, and, and my thought tonight is that I hope this show inspires all of you to discover that the pursuant of happiness really is within your reach. And if we pour our best selves into our spiritual practice around stillness, uh, family, community, meaningful work, and then to share your happiness with others, and strive to make happiness a blessing that is accessible to everyone. So that's my final thought tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're right at the top of the hour. I look forward to being with you again on the next episode of Being a Leader, which will be live on February 28th right here on the Life Coach Radio Network. Again, Corey, thank you. I think that's a wrap, Tommy. So be safe and have fun, and I'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, Corey. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.